Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles. And today we have iOS 17 developer beta 5, new rumors about the iPhone 15, Apple Watch Series 9, how close are the M3 processors, and I got back from a trip and have some uh, iPhone repair and travel stories to share with you. This episode is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees and ZocDoc. And joining me today, my good friend, Wes Hilliard. How's it going, Wes? Pretty good, Stephen. Better over here than uh, in some places in the world. I, I was wondering okay. if you had to use SOS via satellite during your trip. Wow, I did not. And you know, it was funny. I actually just put a Twitter link in the show notes because I wanted to actually talk about this. I covered this story. Did you cover it? Okay. So it was at the tweet by Michael Miraflor. Well, I'll find the article to put in the show notes, uh, but I just saw this tweet right before we recorded. And so uh, our our hearts go out to those in Maui. There are some wildfires that are just erupting out there, causing lots of damage. People are in danger. I imagine lives might have been lost now. I believe about 36 is the last count I saw. Oh my goodness. 36. So it's incredibly sad. And this is a a text thread from someone on the island in Maui. And uh, this was tweeted by Michael Miraflor. He said, my brother's girlfriend's cousin and his family were caught in their vehicle in Maui while the wildfire suddenly erupted around them. They did not have cell service. And so it was Apple Emergency SOS. That was the only way they could get in contact with first responders. Literally saved their lives. And then he includes this image of the uh, text thread where uh, this person was using... SOS to communicate with emergency services. They were in their car in danger. It took them about 30 minutes to get saved um, from the time that they started the text thread. But I mean, I I didn't mean to start on such a downbeat, but I just find it crazy to think that this piece of technology that didn't exist a year ago uh, just saved someone's life and has countless times now we've we've covered it a few times that it's come in handy uh people hiking yes. and um d- different different situations but uh yeah if someone in that car didn't have an iphone 14 who knows what what would have happened with that situation five people trapped in a van or surrounded by fire it's so so wild and so again our hearts go out to the people of maui and those there and I, i'm curious you know apple announced that this feature emergency sos will eventually be a paid feature they have not made it paid yet you know it's still just included with anyone who gets an iphone 14 was it 13 also wasn't the iphone 13 the first sos you no, you you have to uh have a specific antenna line. This didn't go live until November 2022. It's 14 only. Okay, okay, okay. That's right. 14 only. I'm sorry. I was dropped a year in my head. But uh, so I'm curious what that, you know, paid service is going to look like. Are they going to keep it free? I mean, we've already had incredible stories on appleinsider.com. Like Wes was saying, hikers. I'm curious when the first time, uh, again, God forbid people get lost at sea, but I know living in Florida, I hear stories about young people or people taking out a boat a little too far and then getting stranded out on the water in the Gulf. And uh, there was actually just someone, I believe it was a college-age student that was rescued recently after something like 20 hours on a boat that uh, he that lost, uh, he wasn't able to get back to shore. And I want, I mean, I imagine the emergency SOS feature would work out at sea like that. It would. And I think this, the, 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 the pricing of this it, it's not going to be like, thanks for getting your life saved. Uh, you owe us $5,000. I don't think it's going to be a thing like that. Um, no. You know, a, a, a emergency response like this is built into a lot of uh, cities, counties, states, um, emergency relief funds. Uh, in the United States, you have to pay for an ambulance that comes and gets you uh, if you call 911. But um, generally speaking, you're not going to pay for you know an, a helicopter lift unless uh, it's extreme circumstances. There's very specific scenarios where they might send you a bill. But as far as the 
actual phone call, um, I, I would have I'd be willing to bet that it's not it's going to be relatively inexpensive, and you're not going to have to pay for it beforehand. I have a feeling yeah. that they're going to allow you to make the call and surcharges will apply and you'll just get a bill from apple you know in an email afterwards saying you owe this amount of money uh for using sos right I, it would be odd to me if the it, like maybe there would be a an annual service fee maybe you could pay for it as a just in case like an insurance policy especially if you're someone who um is out adventuring a yeah. lot but like just like in in this maui situation like they didn't plan for that they didn't know that this was going to happen they didn't know that they you know the cell towers were going to be on right, fire and then we're right. going to have a signal right like like how do you predict those kinds of things so i i can't foresee this becoming a thing where you have to pay ahead of time no. just in case i mean 911 by law is required to work even if you don't have a cell service so i wonder if apple will work something out to uh, make this work even without a paid plan right. start lifting us out of this story i did see the movie uh, i think it came out last year it was called uh fall i think the movie is called fall or but uh, the, yeah they were stuck on top of a giant tower they climbed giant... yeah for an hour and a half <laughs> well they were talking about this 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 antenna line is these two girls they would like wanted to climb this radio antenna or whatever and then they get stuck up there this is a fictional story it's in the movie uh, called fall i'm pretty sure but they have their phones with them and like the entire movie is them like they don't have service because they're so high up in the middle of nowhere but they can they have a drone they can control i'm like this entire movie would have been five minutes if they had emergency sos <laughs> if they had an iphone 14, <laughs> yeah, iPhone 14 yeah. this movie would not have existed i mean any horror movie that existed pre uh 2002 doesn't work with cell phones and right. now they actually have to if you watch any modern movies like a lot of Bloomhouse horror does this. They they work out a reason for their phones not to be working yeah, because yeah. it's it's such an easy uh, get out. Like just call someone. Right, right. <laughs> you just send a text. You don't even have to make any sounds. Like you know, you're trapped in this person's house and it's a serial killer. Well, pull out your phone. Yeah. Well, uh, they forgot it somehow or it, the batteries. But dead, they have right? an Apple like, Watch. They, they have to work <laughs> they can it send in. a text from the Apple Watch. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny how technology's backed us in this corner where writers have to become more and more clever. Right, and like so many movies you know 1990s and earlier like the plot just would fall apart if anybody had a phone <laughs> to contact anybody else yeah imagine lost with an iphone 14 hey! <laughs> well supposedly that i think they were dead i think that's the problem no i mean i don't sorry know. spoilers I, I never... sorry spoilers for lost yeah uh, i never i never made it past season one i heard uh, there was a dinosaur and a, and a computer you, you have got to keep the smoke resetting monster the world yeah you got I, this I don't guy know. over yeah. here a fever dream that doesn't have an ending that everyone. A lot of fever about, dreams. But, anyway, yeah. uh, that's Lost was the first show I binged on my iPod video. That's how I I remember it distinctly. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I have some other travel stories. We got some news to get to. I do want to give some five star review shout outs. Terry from the USA, AceNet AA from the USA. Uh, he would refer to William as Lord Gallagher, which is how I, how I will refer to him uh, henceforth, now and forevermore on this podcast. Oh, he'll love that. Oh, yeah. yeah, Lord Gallagher. And then uh, XS Zuflax from Poland, awesome international listener, Chicken Getter, I think. From the US. No, it's it's Chicken Glitter. Gl chicken, wait, how do you know that? It's a one, it's an L. But there's no I after it. That doesn't matter, it's the internet. Oh, wow, all right. West West speaks more internet than I do. If it, if it was an E, it would be Chicken oh, Getter. Oh, okay. Uh, if, it, if it was a three, yeah, it's a one, right, it's forgive, an L. <laughs> forgive my mispronunciation. Chicken Glitter from the USA. Yes. He suggested in his review that we should do a collab with MKBHD. Listen, I'm all, I'm all open. MKBHD, you know, just hit us up. Let's let's see. Yeah, come on the friend show. of the show, MK, MKBHD. <laughs> friend of the show. <laughs> and then uh, Jotham Chin from Singapore. Uh, all the way again, another international listener. So thank you all. 
And speaking of traveling and international, I didn't travel internationally for the past couple of weeks, but so gracefully, William and Wes did the show last week. Thank you guys for doing that. And for uh, everyone allowing a week, I was traveling with my family for two weeks. I did two weeks ago uh, on the road, recorded that episode. And now I'm back from the travels. And so I have some follow-up from the tech on that trip. I will say used CarPlay the entire time on one of those like car ride screens. And that was really cool. Uh, and it was a road trip with the whole family. And so like when my wife was driving, we kind of did this thing where I would connect my iPhone to the car ride screen and I would handle like directions and stuff. And then she would just see the map up there and stuff. And so there's interesting things like I know music collaboration is coming to CarPlay where everyone can like participate in the playlist. I almost wish there was like maps collaboration also where if my wife's iPhone was running the maps, which would be more useful because then her Apple watch would tap her wrist when she needed to turn. When it was my iPhone running the screen and directions, my Apple watch would tap my wrist, but I wasn't driving. So it wasn't as useful, but it would be nice if you could like add a stop to an ongoing like uh, directions running on CarPlay. Oh, that would go over well. The kids would start adding McDonald's. Well, uh, you got to be able to restrict it. I mean, you know, right? <laughs> screen time setting or whatever. <clears throat> but uh, that was so that was interesting. But also a travel follow up. I was talking about iPads on planes before, and then a listener reached out. Ken via email was saying that he uses. He's a big Pitaka case fan, and he uses the Mag Easy Folio Two. It's like this origami style case with his iPad and he works on planes. I think, did you say you had a Pitaka also? I use their iPhone use their case, iPhone the MagEasy um, iPhone ah, okay, case. Okay, okay. Now the, I, the iPad case is a little bit more traditional. It's um, the, So the MagEasy line in, in Pitaka is basically, it has magnets. They kind of put it everywhere. Gotcha. There is a version of the lineup that adds like um, wireless charging to your iPad and such. I don't really recommend those, but the, the basic folio is fine. Yeah, yeah. It just magnetically attaches to the back of the iPad, kind of like Apple's does. So that's, I haven't tried it yet, but the Pitaka case, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. I did use my iPad mini a lot while traveling and we have a 2011 SUV. And so it doesn't have any like modern connections or whatever, but it does have screens in the back of the seats for the kids, but it only plays DVD players or the composite red, white, and yellow video connection. And so I went on Amazon and got a bunch of adapters to go from that RCA connector to HDMI, HDMI to USB-C, boom, I can use my iPad mini to just stream content on the screens. It seemed like it was going to be a great idea, but then, Wes, I don't know if you ever experienced this, because I know you do stuff with like iPad external display or whatever. Anytime I tried to play a movie I downloaded, I downloaded a ton of movies directly in the Apple TV app. I downloaded things like Soul and Mary Poppins or whatever. And I actually had some Disney Plus movies downloaded in the Disney Plus app because I didn't want a hotspot in the car to stream movies while we're driving for hours. Wanted them downloaded on the iPad mini. And so I connected it all up. Movie plays fine, obviously, on the iPad mini by itself. But when I would connect it to this USB-C to HDMI dongle, every movie, the ones in Disney Plus and the ones in the TV app, were throwing up the HDCP. Yes, the HDCP thing. And it was, I couldn't stream any, like I couldn't play any of my downloaded movies. I literally had to hotspot and do it. It'll get you every time, every time. But I will say there was a weird pop-up that I saw one time where when I tried to play Mary Poppins connected to this USB-C to HDMI dongle, it said HDCP or whatever, like we can't play this because of the connection. So stream it. Like I could literally turn on my hotspot and start streaming the exact same movie I had downloaded on my iPad, which is just kind of crazy making like, you're going to allow this to stream over a hotspot using the same connector, 
but you won't let me play the downloaded yes. movie because because HDCP exists to prevent like stolen copyrighted material from uh, playing across a, yeah. a connection just in case because what you might be doing is connecting it to a recording device a capture yeah. device I and, know, and it's it's I very know. silly and it's it's um basically a, a law and a rule that's been in place since like 2000s era that it, i think it got put into place after napster ruined the music industry right. and it doesn't work for today it doesn't account for streaming it doesn't account for a lot of things it accounts only for downloaded content and there's a lot of ways to strip that protection from a downloaded file if you if you really must but it's just right. Yeah, it's it's not great. I mean, going. I, I would assume it's not even the the connector's fault. I think you trying to go over the old connectors uh, is the problem. There's yeah. no intelligence there. Um, right. At that point, it should just be a video signal, but it's something's getting mucked up in the in all of the dongle connections. Yeah. So it's super frustrating, and it's funny because like if I was at home, I would be streaming it anyway, and it would have allowed me to do the you know, video over HDMI and I could have just recorded it there like illegally. I don't do that, but I'm just saying like, it's just, it was annoying because we were in a car and I had a hotspot, but there was a third option, which I had never seen before, but the ones that I had downloaded in the Apple TV app, there was another option that said download different version or something. And it was basically prompting me to like re-download the movie in a format that I guess would play over this adapter. But at that point, again, I was already hotspotting. And so to download the movie or to stream it, it was like same difference, basically, if I'm going to watch this movie. But I was curious if I had done that, I want to replicate that somehow with my car. And like, I might have to like just go in the car and set it all up and see what happens. But I was cu- I was very curious if it would have worked if I had downloaded that other version. But I, I never saw that option until I plugged it into the whole car system and tried to play the movie. And so I, I had not seen that before. I need to look it up and see like what that actually is and how to trigger it. Maybe because I, I was just trying to download movies before we left. So, All right. I, I believe that's just downloading. Um, so uh, the HCCP protection is um, applied, I believe, to the uh, 1080p version. Right. And, and it was going to make you download the 720p version. Oh, or I may, right. I may be incorrect there. It could be trying to force you to do like, you know, an MKV versus an MP4. It, it might just have different encoding. Right. Um, there, there might be some protections in place where they have a a self-destruct timer on the download so that way you're not stealing it or whatever so it's right, right. all very annoying just make that stuff go right away right uh, but also in the car was using the belkin magsafe uh, charger and i had one for me and my wife's phones up at the front that worked great i also had the anchor double USB-C car charger so it plugs into the car adapter gives you two USB-C ports and i was able to have a USB-C to lightning cable and USB-C to USB-C so the kids could charge either ipad or they're a Nintendo Switch, so all those chargers work great. And I used the Anchor 3-in-1 Cube with MagSafe that has both the fast Apple Watch charger, the iPhone MagSafe charger that you can tilt, and then you can also charge your AirPods with a Qi charger on the Cube. That worked great in the many hotels and places that we were. And so loved this Cube. Uh, two thumbs up for that. I also want to mention there was a, we went to Washington, D.C. as a family. It was the first time for uh, everybody except me. I've been there before, but... We went to the National Museum of Natural History in Washington, D.C. It's a free museum. You can just go in there. And right now they have an exhibit that showcases the raw materials that go into making a phone. I thought, oh, this is perfect. Like, I'm so glad this exhibit was here when we were here. And it's pretty amazing. They actually show raw silicon and how it is processed into a fine powder. 
and how that that's made into the large silicon disk. And then that's cut out to make the different computer chips. They also had like lithium ion and how that goes into batteries, the substances that make up the touchscreen and how it all comes together. And it was just an incredible uh, exhibit. So if anyone's near Washington, D.C., uh, I, I encourage you, if you're planning on going to the museum or going to visit, that phone exhibit was really cool. And they also had this one glass case that was basically a time capsule of cell phones. And yeah. they had all the way back to like Nokia brick phones to like the sidekick style slide out keyboards and up like iPhone 5Cs. And it was a very cool display of phones. So the uh, aerospace and, uh, museum has the science and technology department. And, and that one's actually really cool because if you go in there, they have an like an iMac G3, an Apple II, an oh, iPhone. That's cool. Like if you go in there, you, you get to see stuff that's in a museum that came out when you were alive and you get to say, wow, I'm... <laughs> I, I owned well, that, and it's in a museum. There's a PlayStation sitting there. Yes, <laughs> they didn't have my exact for a cell phone, but I did. There was an old Sprint flip phone in this glass case, and I basically told my kids like that was my first cell phone. They look at me like I'm That's crazy. Funny. They had iPhone five Cs. Uh, the newest iPhone I think they had in there was like a six or six S in this case. But they had the iPhone five C in multiple colors. And my oldest son, he's fourteen, and he has an iPhone thirteen personally. But he looked at that. He, there was a white iPhone five C, and he was like, "Wow, that looks pretty nice." Is Apple ever going to make a stark white iPhone like that again? Yeah. And as I was looking at it, I was like, "That is pretty. That's a nice looking phone." And it was it was a plastic back. The five C was the color phone. You know, when that came out, it came out in multiple colors, and they did have like lime green and white. And this will be the chapter art. Yes, when I'm talking about this, so you can look in your podcast player. And uh, see the image, but uh, it was. I was like, man, those were good looking phones. Like those held up the five C. Yeah, I I just don't think Apple can ever look back to plastic anything. No, no, they won't. Aluminium, as Lord William would say. So anyway, that was fun. It was good travels. Uh, good to be back, and uh, I have some more stories about repairing my iPhone if we have time later in the show. But let's get to actual news. iOS 17 developer beta five. Not a ton of changes, but it's out. And also public beta three is. Also out now for all the different devices. Slight updates to the check-in feature in messages, little design tweaks here and there. And one feature that everyone's been asking for in tvOS 17, the betas, is the locate TV remote feature, which Apple touted as like this find my feature during the keynote. It has not been live yet, and it is still not exactly live. But when you go into the Apple remote control, like on your iPhone, now running the latest beta, there is a little banner there that shows locate Apple TV remote. But it's not like functional yet. Right. Like you can't actually use it to find your remote, but the banner is there. So those banners and those little tool tips that are appearing everywhere in, in iOS 17, I like it. Um, I don't, I'm, I'm sure you know, but it's all coming from the Tips app. There's a, there's a new right. Tips API and Apple is using it everywhere. everywhere. I'm actually a fan of it. I think uh, some people are against tool tips on a, on a like basic level for some reason. They, they're like, it should just work by looking at it. Well, if you've ever looked at videos of people <laughs> using like appliances for the first time, nothing is intuitive, right? Like, <laughs> right. right. Like trying to, you know, open an, open a bottle or something like it's, it's, it's fun. Go, go on YouTube and find people using things for the first time. All right. One of my yeah. favorite YouTubes, uh, I don't know if they still do it, is uh, the one where they make kids like plug in a, a Nintendo 64 and get it running. <laughs> That's funny. But anyway, um, the I, I like the idea of Apple being better about educating its users and having tooltips everywhere. Yeah. Because I feel like 
there's a there's a good large portion of the population that just buys these things and they have the default apps on the home screen and then seven pages of everything they've ever downloaded they've never customized anything they've never used shortcuts and uh, they they barely know how to even get to the app store to download a new app so hopefully um this stuff can help get people to be a little bit more productive with their devices all right let's talk about some iphone 15 rumor This episode is brought to you by ZocDoc. This sponsorship placement is so perfect because I literally used ZocDoc yesterday as we record this episode. If I can give you my full personal experience. I just got back from a long trip. I am not feeling well, caught some kind of bug, and my eye was doing some funny things. I won't go into details. I don't want to trigger anybody. But I really just wanted to get an appointment, get some medicine, and get this thing knocked out. And so what did I do? I did not want to go in person to a doctor's office. I knew it was going to be a simple thing. And so I opened the ZocDoc app on my iPhone. I looked for telehealth virtual appointments that day. Ladies and gentlemen, I opened this app at like 7 a.m. in the morning and I booked an appointment for 9.15, two hours and 15 minutes later in the ZocDoc app. I uploaded an image of my insurance card. Everything was covered. I filled out the questionnaire electronically. I did the video call at 9.15. The doctor actually showed up early and then I was done. They put in a prescription at the pharmacy that I already filled out in the questionnaire. And already, it wasn't even 9.15 yet. I was already done with the appointment. I could go get the medication. It was all done. Listen, it is just simply the best way. And listen, ZocDoc is a free app where you can find amazing doctors and book appointments online. And that's what I did. I did it right on my iPhone. We're talking about booking appointments with thousands of top-rated patient-reviewed doctors and specialists. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance and are located near you and treat almost any condition you're searching for. And in my case, it didn't have to be located near me because I did a telehealth appointment. I did search for doctors for my particular issue, and I was able to see all those star ratings and the available appointments they had for the same day. And those reviews are verified reviews from actual real patients, not bots. And I was able to book that appointment so quick. It was just such an easy experience. I cannot recommend it enough. The average wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between just 24 and 48 hours. Again, I had a very unique experience, but if you're trying to do those telehealth appointments, you might be able to get one same day like I did, which is amazing. Find the doc you want, book them immediately with just a few taps. No more waiting awkwardly on hold. I didn't have to make any phone calls. It was amazing. So go to ZocDoc.com slash Apple Insider and download the ZocDoc app for free. Yes, you can just go to the App Store and search there, but let them know that you found us. But let them know that you found ZocDoc through the Apple Insider Show. Go to ZocDoc.com slash Go to ZocDoc.com slash Apple Insider, then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash Apple Insider. ZocDoc.com slash Apple Insider. Our thanks to ZocDoc for helping my appointment just go so smoothly and for sponsoring this episode. You know, typically Apple does not do the event after Labor Day, which this year I believe is September 4th. And so maybe it will be the 12th or 13th. What's your what's your prediction right now? The stories say that Apple's event is lining up with uh, the 12th or 13th, which 13th is a Wednesday. Fine. 12th makes more sense. Apple traditionally do, does these on Tuesdays. I'm still hopeful for the 6th, which is two days after Labor Day because the Apple has one working day before the event so it can get set up. They don't set up on right. holidays. Yeah, apparently I've seen um, some people posting in private channels uh, uh, that they're they're currently filming the event, which I guess makes sense. It's about a month out. Sure. I, I don't know. Apple can do this whenever they want. 
maybe they don't want people traveling during Labor Day uh, because they did that last year. They did it like the day, the two days after Labor Day um, on a Wednesday. We're seeing signs of the 13th, which again, I don't, I don't see any reason why they would do it on a Wednesday this year because uh, unless it was yeah. after Labor Day. So we'll, we'll see what happens. German has doubled down on this date now and we're so close. I don't see how he would get it wrong. So I, I think that's right. what we're looking at. So September 13th. So just a, a little over a month away. Going to be a virtual event again. There might be some in-person press invited, you know, for like hands-on and stuff. But Identical to the iPhone 14 event is basically what he's saying. And so a lot of the rumors, we've talked about them before. The latest ones, it is, seems to be corroborating a thinner bezel. And there's supposedly images of the USB-C connector for the iPhone 15 lineup, which we've been talking about basically both those rumors for a long time. Uh, but there's now a somewhat credible leaker, Unknowns21, um, but the, he was calling out that the images might be, okay. you're the rumor. I saw your titles now, the rumor expert, by the way, on the Apple Insider website. So you tell us. Yeah, I, I thought that was fun. I didn't make that my title, but it is my, <laughs> because I, because I wrangle it all It is your these. function. Yes, I, yeah, it's your function. Yeah, I, I do study all these. This basically started out as there was a tweet from Kosutami san is the person on Twitter they post generally DVT models, uh, different AirPod colors. Like these are the things that went to production, but never made it out of the testing phase. That's their Twitter account. Generally accurate as far as that goes. They've not been known for posting fakes, um, that, but they're also not really much of a leaker. Uh, so they, they obviously have access to something, but having you Redditor unknowns 21 on top of that saying, this is the accurate one. They actually posted, Kosi Tommy right. actually posted uh, different images of the USB-C port on the iPhones saying, this is it. Your editor agrees. I mean, it's all kind of moot anyway. We're getting a USB yeah, port. <laughs> we're getting we're a USB-C port on the iPhone USB -C. I just find it funny <laughs> that these these uh, leakers are all kind of um, fighting over these things on on, on Twitter, X, whatever. Yeah, so. right on X. I, I will say, I said this on HomeKit Insider too, but I saw for the first time in a news article, someone, it was quoting... X user says, uh, quote, and I was like, X user? What is that? It took me a second to realize. Oh, yeah. Right, I, I've actually taken to um, some of the other writers still write Twitter slash X. I've just taken to writing X. Uh, so yeah. if you see any of my Twitter articles, is. I write an X post stating this, right? So um, I, I give up. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw an article breezed by my timeline saying, Ex CEO, and I thought, is it the current CEO right. or the former CEO? And I had to reread it for a second, but complicated. It's complicated. <laughs> so, and in addition to the iPhone 15, again, the USB C thinner bezels, A17 leaks have come forward, which that it might still get six gigabytes of RAM, which is the same as the A16 in the iPhone 14 Pro right now. Right, but we're getting another GPU core. Another GPU core. I'm curious what the non-pro model iPhone 15 is going to get because... A16. It'll probably get the A16. Uh, right now, if you're not aware, you know, there was a few years where the regular line and the pro line would get the exact same chip. And then in the 14 lineup, the regular 14 has the A15 still, which is the same as the iPhone 13. They just kept the same chip. And it seems like maybe they'll just keep the base model iPhones on that previous year cycle. Probably saves on cost, especially for like supply chain. They have a bunch of those chips already produced. And honestly, I don't think anyone is really complaining or looking for a much faster iPhone chip that is using, you know, iPhone 14. Right. If you look at your phone now and you say, wow, this thing's slow, I, I don't know what to tell you. 
looking at how Apple's done this the last couple of years, it's a new pattern. They're they're doing this. There's there's actually yeah. evidence pointing to that, and I put an article in the show notes we can reference. So so first of all, the previous year's base iPhone stays for sale. So that right. so the iPhone 14 with the base A16 processor will still be for sale. The iPhone 15 base model and the iPhone 15 Plus will get the iPhone 14 Pro. A16 chipsets in the base in those phones <clears throat> and then the A17 goes to the iPhone 15 Pro and iPhone 15 Pro Max and we have actual evidence pointing to that actually occurring this year um in the betas before beta 5 apparently there were device identifiers uh appearing in the notes but wasn't pointed out until beta 5 came out uh by Aaron P613 which has uh does a lot of code sleuthing they discovered a couple of iphones that don't exist in beta 5 and that made them go back to previous betas to see if they were there they were not but they did discover that the identifiers for the iphone 15 lineup were there which are iphone 15 4 15 5 16 1 and 16 2 those numbers are nonsensical ignore what they actually say <laughs> uh iphone 15 right. 4 and 15 5 are likely the iPhone 15 and iPhone 15 Plus, whereas iPhone 16 1 and 16 2 are identifiers for the next chip generation because the number signifies what generation chipset it's using. So the 16 1 and 16 2 are the 15 Pro and 15 Pro Max. To get into this, and I'll, I'll take what you think these are, people trying to do guesswork, but we still don't have an answer. We don't know what these are. But if you go back... Please, please go look at this article. Yeah. All the I, I've listed the last few generations iPhone um, identifiers. They're again nonsensical. iPhone 13 Mini, for example, is iPhone 14.4. Had no correlation to the name. It's the chipset it's using. But there are two identifiers that that were discovered. Um, iPhone 14.1 and 14.9. They don't exist. Those phones have never existed. But apparently, they use the A15 processor, mm. and they've been. And they've been used in testing on the iOS 17 beta cycle. Uh, what these are, sure. who knows? What do you think? Is it is it a refreshed? I don't know. iPhone SE that keeps the A15. What's going on? Maybe maybe it's time. I don't know if it's too early for the Dynamic Island to come to the iPhone 15 base models. But if it does, and then an iPhone SE can come in, that is brings Face ID to the entire iPhone lineup. No more home button iPhone SE. And that is the 14.1 model, still running on the A15 chip. 14.9, that is a good question. I don't think they would be like an iPhone 14 Plus Max, like an even bigger iPhone. There's a couple of theories uh, that I like. Um, the SE theory is accurate. I don't like the idea of, because the current iPhone SE 3 uses the A15 processor. Mm. They could do that. Uh, there, Since since there's new regulations, right, oh, they, right, they might need to come out with an iPhone SE with a USB-C port, right? Right. So they might just pop in a USB-C port, keep the processor the same. They might even keep the old design with Touch ID. I don't know. If I think they're doing all this, they might as well move up to the iPhone XR design, which is the previous rumor. Right. But regardless, I believe this might be the iPhone se4 series whatever that is and uh the reasoning behind it being the USB-C port and the iphone 14 9 could be the mythical previously rumored <laughs> iphone se plus which is the would be basically xs max model but yeah so a little bit bigger uh with a little bit better technology and USB-C port added just just to add to the price range differentiate a bit that i think 
is the correct path here. Yeah. Or yeah. B, I saw some speculation, which is which is a lot of fun, that someone's like, well, in order to get the whole iPhone lineup on USB-C, they're still selling a mini iPhone. What if they brought that mini iPhone forward, added USB-C to it, and that's 14.9, and then, then 14.1 is the iPhone SE. Mm. So either way, I, I'm intrigued. Yeah, back when the 10R came out, it was a weird size because it was larger than the 10s but smaller than the 10s max i believe it was that no so the 10r was the size of the 10s uh it just it was just it was just cheaper and didn't have oled i believe right it was it was still an lcd screen now that now now i'm curious yeah. so i'm going in i'm going i believe in. they're the same iPhone display 10, size 6.1 inch was the iPhone 10r iPhone 10s was 5.8 oh inch. that's right that's oh, before they yeah, that's, that's before right. everything moved up to 6.1 that's right and i i remember because my mom got the 10r and i had the 10s and it was always that whole generation was awful the naming was bad the, <laughs> the name was bad the, the cameras were great but it was such an odd generation people do like the 10s max size and i actually had a tweet i wish well uh, x post whatever it is I wish you could decide what posts go viral. It's so weird, like which ones blow up and ones don't. But I was personally considering a Pro Max model for the 15 lineup this year. One, for the sake of battery life. And two, maybe I just wanted to try a bigger screen again. I know you're a Pro Max guy. And I was in the Apple store with my iPhone repair, which I'll get to in a minute. But I was holding this Pro Max in my phone and I just, it just feels huge. I don't know. I know I would get used to it, I guess. And then a bunch of people replied to my tweet with like their pinkies indented from holding the Pro yeah, Max phones for years. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, I don't know what that's about. But anyway, it was just so big. And a couple of the responses in that thread were wish that Apple would make a 10s Max size, which is smaller than the Pro Max currently, uh, but obviously larger than the Pro models. And it, for a lot of people, it seemed like that was a sweet spot. And so while Awkward as this lineup was, the 10s, the 10R, and the 10s Max, those screen sizes were interesting. And so now, and with the iPhone 15 or iPhone SE, I definitely could see the SE being like those weird sizes where it has Face ID, no more Touch ID, but it's still a notch, and they make the sizes like a little uh, in between. Again, SE is a cost-saving device. They're just going to use all the empty chassis sitting in um, warehouses. So I don't think they're going to make a special new model, but they're just going to use whatever's there. So if the XS Max uh, for an SE Plus and the XR frames or XS frames, uh, whatever, um, are sitting around in a factory somewhere... yeah, they'll probably just dump a bunch of junk in there, A15 processor, call it the SC4, SE, SE Plus, and then move on from it. When I, we, we ask this question in periodically. I'm curious, when is Apple going to either A, drop the number from the iPhone lineup and go with something else, or like, is it just going to be the iPhone XX or iPhone 20? I mean, I mean, we have the Galaxy S23, so I know like Samsung's all in on the numbers. I guess for however high it'll go, but Apple isn't going to do whatever competitors are doing. So Samsung stole the thunder on that. They started name, naming their phones after the year, which kind of makes sense, like cars. I don't know, and and the phone number and the chipset number are different, and right. the operating system number isn't always the same. There's a lot of weird things, but I don't foresee it changing unless they change how they name their devices instead of numbers like have a like a name at the end of it, right? Like like macOS or whatever. But I don't think, but the iPhone has to be, 
easily recognized as the new model because that's the biggest device that Apple sells and when people go in. Unless they know. change the modifier, iPhone <clears throat> Air or something. Like, I, I, I just don't... Yeah. The, the counter isn't going to just reset or change as long as it's called iPhone. Right. They had a chance to mess with it with the iPhone 10 with the X nomenclature. Right. They could have called it the iPhone 10-1-2. Or Roman numerals. Just go all in on, like, Super Bowl or Roman numerals. I just... I'm not sure. Um... This, this is one of those yeah. things where the ball is totally in Apple's court. It's kind of meaningless. As long as the iPhone name's still there, branding's important, and they're not just going to randomly change the name from iPhone to something else, like Apple phone or something. No, they wouldn't do that. But the numbering system, at least right now, works. It makes sense to people. They can say, I have the 13, you have the 14, therefore you have the one better. The S thing went right. away because that was too confusing. They only did that for like right. four generations, if you think about it. So we'll see. I don't know. I'm I'm not I'm not I'm team whatever. I don't care. Uh, name it whatever you yeah, want. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. gonna be like the phone doesn't change based on the name. Right. Yeah. I'm just I'm curious. Oh, speaking of uh, failed, uh, not knowing when a tweet is gonna go viral or not. Um, I came up with something I thought was silly yesterday. I just wanted to know your opinion of it. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I was bored and for some reason had the seven circles of hell or nine circles of hell trapped in my head. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna make a post about this. So here's my nine circles of hell for the tech world. Okay. All right. All right. All right. So bear with me here. So circle number one, you have the iPhone, the phone app in your dock, right? So that's where you go. So the, this is where you go when you die. Uh, number two, you use an emoji in your contact names. <laughs> wow. Circle number three, you have the Facebook app installed, period. Wow. Number four, you have a crypto wallet app. By the way, these align with uh, specific natures, like circle number four is greed, if you didn't know. Number five, the Twitter app is on your home screen. That's anger. Number six, you prefer web apps. That's heresy. Um, number seven, uses Google to solve an argument. That's violence. Uh, number eight, learns anything, learns everything on Pinterest or TikTok. Uh, that's fraud. And number nine, force closes apps. That's treachery. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down with that last one for sure. Yes. I, uh, I, mean, I we might need to work those a little people. bit, but I, I, I was just, well, we can workshop. Yeah, I, like uh, I just, I like the idea. That was fun. It was silly. I can see an Apple TV plus uh, original show. Maybe No, that's funny. All right. Uh, Apple watch series nine, finally also most likely coming this fall. Uh, we don't have a ton of rumors about it. I think, you know, obviously new processor, but uh, there was one rumor. This is also from Kosutami, I believe was that there'll be a new fabric band from Apple. This will be a first party Apple watch band. that will also have a magnetic buckle. And so that's exciting to me. I, I like the magnetic buckles. I was a Milanese loop guy very originally. And I think the modern leather band is a magnet right now. Uh, but I'm curious to see new bands. I like Apple's first party bands. I use the, the solo loops mostly and then the ocean band with my watch. Did but. you buy the glow in the dark nomad band? <laughs> I saw that on social media and I was like, I mean, that's pretty cool. But no, I didn't. I, buy I got I, I ordered one. They sold out that night, oh, by you? the way. I don't think I don't Whoa. I don't think they're going to make a new set. So but I, I got in on wow. that at the end of the day. I said, you know what? Halloween and stuff's coming up. Let's have a glow in the dark band. Let's play around with this. That's pretty cool. A glow in the dark stuff. I remember as a kid was like oh, man. the thing. Yeah, no, everything. You had to have the shoes that light up when you walked, and oh, your yeah. t-shirt if you went bowling had to light up in the black light. Yeah, um, like it, all all so all of that stuff. Yeah, so let's bring it, it back. Love it. Glow in the dark <laughs> iPhone case. Oh yeah, that'd be good. This episode is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. This summer, you could spend thousands of dollars on planes, hotels, and tourist traps, or 
Spend less money on a beautiful garden that will give you years of pleasure with FastGrowingTrees.com right in your home, or you can even get potted plants for your apartment. Fast Growing Trees is the way to go. They have thousands of easy-to-grow plant shrubs and tree varieties curated for your unique climate. You can tell them what region of the states that you are living in, and they'll recommend trees, shrubs, whatever you would like for your climate so you know they will thrive. And you know the worst part about buying trees and shrubs and that kind of stuff is going to the hardware store, trying to put it in your car or truck, and dirt's getting everywhere. Don't do that anymore. No more waiting in long lines or hauling those heavy plants around. With FastGrowingTrees.com, you order online, and the plants just arrive at your door in just a few days. And they package it so nicely, I was able to carry it through my house into my backyard. No dirt gets anywhere. It's amazing. And if you don't have a green thumb, don't worry. Fast Growing Trees plant experts are just a Zoom chat or phone call away, always available and eager to help. Again, I've ordered multiple times from Fast Growing Trees. You've heard me talk about my Carolina Reaper plant where we actually use that in some fajitas and that was amazing. We've gotten persimmon trees, a peanut butter fruit tree. I like having the whole family come together and pick out some plants that we're going to get delivered to our house and then hopefully with the idea that we can all plant it together. And with Fast Growing Trees 30 Day Alive and Thrive Guarantee, you know everything will look great fresh out of the box. So join almost 2 million happy Fast Growing Trees customers and go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash appleinsider now to get 15% off your entire order. 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash appleinsider. Our thanks to Fast Growing Trees for sponsoring this episode. All right, these are from Mark Gurman. More rumors that the M3 Max chip is being tested. Also, rabbits are furry, but that the M3 Max chips will go up to 48 gigabytes of RAM in the MacBook Pro, and it will have 16 core CPU, 40 GPU over the M2 Max, uh, which has 38 GPU cores and I believe a 12 core CPU. Existentially, who are these rumors for? Is there someone out there like baseball teams marking down stats on a board like, oh, it's going to be 48 cores this year? I, I mean, yeah. I get it. I do. Believe me, we write about it. But at the same time, it does feel a little silly. And the next chip will be out and eventually and it will uh, be better. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be I'll be honest like when it was early days of Apple Silicon right before it was released you know cuz the, there was nothing to compare it to we hadn't we had no idea what these would be that was interesting right. but now it's like now it's one step better <laughs> It was hyper exciting because it was at WWDC in 2020 Apple said Apple Silicon Macs are coming and then had the developer kit of a Mac mini with an A12Z which was not the M1 chip that was going to ship with the first Apple Silicon Macs that was a very exciting time because it was like, what is Apple going to call these chips? What is the performance going to be like? M1 lineup, amazing. All the way through. And it was also very exciting through the Mac Studio launch where we get the M1 Ultra, you know, the biggest chip. M2 lineup, very cool, powerful. You know, I feel like excitement is dying down. Yeah. <laughs> Once the Mac Pro was announced with the exact same M2 Ultra as the Mac Studio, it was like, all right, I think we're, we're good here. And now like, yes, Apple is going to make the M3. Yep. Guess what's going to come after that, everybody? Say it with me, M4 <laughs> and M5. That's that's what's interesting about this. Like, great, great that Mark Ehrman has these sources that he can continue to churn this stuff out. But I, I just I do wonder who is waiting to see this stuff. Now there are there are other websites maybe that have an audience. There is an audience, I believe. Maybe I'm making it up, but oh, of yeah. people who want to know what the next Intel chip's going to be. And there's like whole right. there's like whole reigns of people who leak like the next Snapdragon processor. So like yeah, yeah. being able to take Apple's information about its upcoming chip and compare it to the other theoretical chips 
might be a whole game people play i just i just find it all it's kind of like me watching sports i get it it's fun i don't care (laughs) (laughs) yeah and and i think apple is going to keep making silicon chips they're going to get better every once in a while there'll be a leap in performance because of some like the three nanometer process becoming the thing i think it's more interesting like when are they going to put something new in the imac (laughs) i think that that's the biggest question that's that's interesting but i also think for me the conversation has shifted away from power because believe me i used to you know watch the keynotes for apple we're talking 2016 era and when they would come out on stage and say the the a14 is x faster than the a13 like that was exciting because you could feel the difference in the phone it made a difference on applications and it still kind of does but not to the extent it used to nowadays what i'm more interested in and what never leaks is what are they going to do with all that power what is the feature set going to be for that new device that makes this worth it what's that m3 processor going to do that no intel could possibly do and um yeah we're obviously we can try and guess at that We'll see. Uh, maybe they'll finally do that gaming push everyone's been talking about. I'm, I'm also curious. I saw this somewhere on social media where the question was like, would they put a pro level chip in the iPad Pro? I feel like that might be coming. You know, we have the Mac Mini. An, M1, an M3 Pro could arrive in a larger iPad Pro. But again, yes. it's getting to the point um, where it's not about what can fit in the physical container. It's how it can be cooled. And since the right. iPad Pro is passively cooled versus a MacBook Pro, which um, has a As fan, a right? Fan. So yeah. Um, yeah. it's a completely different ball game. It's hard to imagine something that needs active cooling existing in the iPad Pro without being completely like i know i would have zero difference in my experience of editing a podcast on my ipad and i often edit on my ipad mini which has an a15 right (laughs) going from an m2 now so i i tend to switch work from my m1 ipad pro to my m1 pro macbook right and i can see a difference in certain things one thing and very in particular is when I'm using Pixelmator to double the size of images and stuff. Oh yeah. When I'm on my iPad and do it in Pixelmator Photo, which is a different application, I understand. Um, but they they have the double sizing thing in Pixelmator Photo on the iPad. It right. you can count seconds on your hand right. before it finishes. Whereas on the um, Mac, one two done and uh, in Pixelmator Pro. Again, different application pipeline, but it's just. It's there are noticeable differences between those two chipsets, and that active cooling is necessary. As much as I would like to see an iPad get a better chipset in it, honestly, the workflows that you're going to do on it, M3, M2 is going to be fine. Um, I'm I, I'm still holding on to my M1 iPad Pro because again, my workflows just don't need that M2. Um, that it, it wasn't going to benefit from it. Okay, I'd like to share my iPhone repair saga, if you would. So before I went on my trip. I've talked about on the show, I dropped my iPhone, the back cracked. I went to get it in for a repair and I was trying to get it repaired before I left on the trip. It was about four or five days since I uh, actually went into the Apple store and they said we didn't have the part. They had to order the part. I said, okay, I'll come back. And so I wanted to go back again before the trip. I tried to call and you can't call an Apple store directly anymore. You know, you used to be able to actually dial the local number and actually talk to someone at the physical Apple store that you're trying to communicate with, but that's not the case anymore. You call any Apple store number and you go through a phone tree and you talk to someone obviously not at that physical store. I've heard from a couple listeners on social media as I was tweeting about my experience that they would tell me something about how to get to the direct line. I don't even want to know. I want plausible deniability. I don't even know how to do it, but apparently there's a way. But I called support. I told them about the repair. They said, 
the, on the support line, when I called Apple support, they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The part is there. You're good to go. I go back to the Apple store the day before we're leaving on our trip. No part. So there's some miscommunication between the actual store and then Apple support corporate, whatever they use for that. And so I didn't get it fixed before I left. That's fine. I was like, you know what? I'm going on this long trip. If I drop my phone in Washington, D.C. and it breaks even more, I'm still getting it repaired. So all good. So that's fine. We come back from the trip. I go on a Sunday to the Apple store to get it repaired. They actually called me while we were away. They said, your, your part is in. We're ready. We're going to hold it till August 14th or whatever. You don't need to make an appointment. Just go in. So I go in like Sunday afternoon. I had forgotten that Apple stores close early on Sundays. They close at like 6 p.m., I think. And the whole mall, it's a mall store. So the whole mall closes at 6 p.m. Uh, so I got there like in the middle of the afternoon. Turns out I return at 5.50 p.m. when they told me to come back and they did not complete the repair. They didn't even get to it, apparently. By this point, I had already wiped the phone. When they were going in for this repair, they said, we're going to have to erase your entire phone, make sure you have a backup of it. And you're, you're basically going to have a, like a new, like from the start phone again. I was curious about this because I thought they were just replacing the back, but I did have several geniuses reach out on social media. This one on threads, this was Lorne813. And they were saying when they repair the back glass, they actually replace everything but the display and camera. So they take the display and camera from your old phone that was broken and put it into a new casing uh, that is then is not cracked and stuff. So that is why they have to erase the phone. Like the actual SSD that's holding all your information is no longer in the phone that you're getting back. It's just the camera module and the display from your old phone that they keep. So I thought that was an interesting point and it makes sense you have to erase it. So I had already erased it before I gave it to them to repair. And now at the end of the day, they're like, well, we have two choices. We can give you your broken phone back. You can come back tomorrow morning and we'll fix it then. Or you can just leave it here overnight. We'll fix it. You pick it up tomorrow. I mean, it's going to take me all night just to restore it from the backup. So I was like, I'll just leave it. Let me just leave it. It'll be fine. I got my Apple Watch Ultra with cellular. I got two iPads. Like, it'll be fine. So I left my phone there. I walk out to my car and I go to text my wife that I'm headed home. And I realized, oh, wow, I don't have a phone right now. <laughs> like, And... I had my iPad mini with me because I knew I wanted a second device where I could like approve two-factor codes if I needed to. So I had my iPad mini, but I don't have cellular connectivity on the iPad mini. So I was like, well, I can't do anything there. The mall is closed. So I can't go back in the mall and like find a random Wi-Fi network. So I was like, okay, well, I still have my Apple Watch Ultra. I have cellular connectivity. I'll just text her from there. And so I go to my Apple Watch Ultra and I try to send a text. And I don't know how your experience with Apple Watch on cellular data is, Wes, but apparently it is not super consistent. And the cellular data... It depends on everything. There's so many depends. It depends. It depends. I have Verizon, first of all. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, and I have AT&T. Oh, that's your problem. There you go. Well, I was in the car. And went to AT&T's credit, I'm in the car. I try to do something with my Apple Watch on cellular data. It shows bars. It shows LTE data. Nothing goes bars through. Are a lie. I can't text. I can't, I can't text. I can't use Siri. Nothing. And so I'm like, A, I don't know what to do. Like it has been so long where I was in a position that I had no form of communication at all. No phone, no cellular iPad. My Apple Watch cellular isn't working. And it was a very strange feeling to like, 
for the first time in forever. What is that song? Is that from Frozen? First time in forever. Anyway. Yeah, um, yes. <laughs> I think it is. I could not communicate to anyone. And I was like, this is weird. A little uneasying. I was like, I don't know what to do. So I restarted my Apple Watch. I held the crown and the side button until the Apple Watch just shut off. And then I restarted it. And for some reason on a restart, I'm in the exact same parking lot in my car, didn't move. Now cellular is working on the Apple Watch Are Ultra. Are you on beta I on see. your Apple Watch Ultra? No beta. No betas. No beta on the iPad mini. No beta on the Apple Watch. I don't roll with the, with the watch betas. It, it could have been looking for the phone that was previously attached or and, it's, and it yes. was confused. So the reset might have just fixed that. Uh, yeah. I will get to the repairing of the Apple Watch in a moment. iPhone. But anyway, the, yeah, uh, for the iPhone and the Apple Watch. But so restarting the Apple Watch, I was able to get cellular to work. I had my AirPods Pro. And so I was able to make a couple calls with the Apple Watch directly with my AirPods Pro, and that started working. Such a weird feature request at that point. I was like, I almost wish I could hotspot my iPad mini to my Apple Watch Ultra cellular connection. Oh man, your battery would be gone in a minute. It would be gone in a minute, but I was like, no, that's ridiculous. I know that'll never happen. So anyway, I get home, you know, I'm rocking with my iPad mini. My iPad Pro has cellular because I did get my M2 iPad Pro with cellular. So I'm using that if I'm not home or whatever. But it was interesting how... It was amazing the upheaval it brought to my life because without the phone, I didn't realize this either. All the cards that were uh, on Apple Pay in my wallet are removed because well, I erased when, my phone. When you factory reset, yes. Yeah, yeah. when I factory reset the iPhone. So I was trying to get gas on my way home and there's a gas station where I always use Apple Pay and I lifted up my Apple Watch, I double clicked the side button and I saw none of my cards. And I was yeah. like- Those tokens are assigned by the phone and stored in right. the secure enclave, right? Yeah, so- and then also, I usually control my smart home devices with my Apple Watch because it's always on my wrist. It's just easiest to do that. I just hold the crown. There's no confusion about it. You know, did I trigger the, hey, whatever. And so I couldn't control any of my home devices. And I was like. You were essentially signed out of iCloud on the Apple Watch, but it still had the functionality in the apps. That This is why you still have to set up an Apple Watch that you buy new with an iPhone because it there's right. a lot of dependencies. And it was just weird. Like I would get texts sometimes, like even SMS texts because I was meeting someone the next day. I didn't have my iPhone yet, but they texted and I, my watch ah. got it because the AT&T number mm-hmm. sync will send the SMS directly to my watch. So yeah, I was like, it has nothing to do with your phone on that one. Right. So it's just this, it's this bizarre experience of like the watch usefulness drops significantly when the iPhone is not around. See, this is where people are always like, what can they do more with the watch? Why like, why even bother releasing a, a Series 9 this year? And this is where we get to, it's not there yet. Now, w- when we get to the day where you can leave your phone behind, uh, and of course that means leaving behind a camera, and that's why I'll never be able to leave my phone behind. <laughs> right. When can we just use the watch to do everything? And we're, we're just not there yet. The battery life isn't there. If it was, if I had to stay connected to cellular all day, your battery would last five hours. Yeah, and I didn't. I was glad I had the Ultra because the day and a half that I just had my Apple Watch Ultra, it did last just being connected to cellular Wi-Fi when I was at the house, but cellular when I was out. And it, I was happy for the battery life. But yeah, I, I mean, I've I've consistently been able to make phone calls and texts from my from my watch. Like I'll, I, I frequently will go swimming, and um, when I'm out in the lake, I, I'm far from my phone, and I'm able to make a phone call from the lake. So like, yeah. I haven't had that experience where that just doesn't work. But 
I, I can't foresee just using the watch for everything. No. And so I'll, I'll quickly abbreviate the rest of the story. But basically, I did pick up my phone the next day. It was repaired. My battery health is now 100%, which is hilarious <laughs> because I'm going to trade it in in a month for the iPhone 15. But that's cool. So the phone is good. I will say for the past number of years, every time I upgrade my iPhone, which is every year on launch day, the device to device transfer for an old iPhone to a new iPhone is sublime. It is so good. It keeps you logged into so many things. There's so much that you don't have to manage when you do that device to device transfer. And so with this one, I didn't have an old device. So I was restoring from iCloud backup, which I have not done in a while. And I just have to say, restoring from iCloud kind of sucks. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's amazing that it works and it has all my data saved. Pass key. I was a little worried about pass keys because I have several accounts like my Google account, but pass keys sync via iCloud keychain. So it's not tied to the iPhone that I just wiped and gave away. It's actually on all my devices because of iCloud keychain. So it's amazing that it actually works, but repairing the Apple Watch never worked. I actually had to factory reset the Apple Watch Ultra, repair it with the iPhone, and restore from a backup. I had to log in to basically every app on the iPhone after it was restored from iCloud. I had to, my Hue Hub and other smart home devices, like I opened the Hue app to start my sync box syncing, didn't connect to the Hue Hub. I actually had to resync the Hue Hub by clicking the button on top in the app. So it's just iCloud backup and restore. Again, great that it exists, so thankful for it. But if you ever move iPhone to iPhone, do the device to device transfer. And honestly, the repair from iPhone was $30. Thanks to AppleCare Plus. Again, totally down with AppleCare Plus. Really enjoy it there. So $30 to fix it. But there was also an option when I first broke my phone to do a $99 like express replacement where Apple would have just sent me an iPhone in the mail and I would have just sent the old one back. And it's more expensive, $99 versus $30. But all like the headache of those couple days, not having the phone, iCloud restore, repairing the Apple Watch, I almost wonder if it would have been worth it to just have them send me a phone. I could have done device to device transfer to set up the new phone. Would have had to done all that rigmarole with logging in and then just mailed back the old one. I might Is do that, that $60 difference really saving Apple any money? Because they're replacing the entire phone anyway. <laughs> the only thing that is different, I mean, that, that the camera piece and the front glass, I mean, are they really saving that much keeping that and just changing the back end? <sighs> like, I mean, I imagine the camera module is a good amount. Right, but I just don't understand why, like the difference in pricing here and why the option even exists. Just send the new piece, use the parts from your old phone and a refurbished device, move on, right? There's also shipping. Like I understand, like it's they're paying for right. twice over shipping. They're shipping you the phone and then giving you the label to ship it back. You know, that's not on you. But I agree, like that express fee is probably worth it for people who rely heavily on their phones. Yeah, it was just, it was wild. So again, everything's back to normal now, except for my family set up Apple Watch, which again, it never repaid. And I'm going to have to factory reset my son's Apple Watch SE to get it to connect. But otherwise, everything was fine. Last thing I'll say is while I was there in the Apple store, because I spent a lot of time there the past couple of weeks, I was eyeing the iPad smart keyboard folio. This is not a new device. This is like Apple's keyboard folio that was before the Magic Keyboard, right. which, which I had with my 11-inch iPad Pro for several years and really enjoyed it. And as I've been traveling and realizing, man, lightness of device is such a key factor when you're taking stuff you around. You can pour water on it. You can use it in sand. And the Magic Keyboard, I love it. 
but it's just so heavy and chunky. And if I have a backpack where I'm trying to fit my MacBook Pro and an iPad, I always go iPad mini because the Magic Keyboard is just so thick and heavy. So I was like, you know what? I want to try the Smartfolio again. So I got the Smartfolio keyboard. I'm using it with my 12.9 inch iPad Pro. Love the thinness, love the lightness. I immediately missed the trackpad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I was like, oh, I got to touch the screen for everything. Like scrolling, I can't two finger scroll. Like that kind of sucked. So like there are things I miss about the trackpad, but it is so much lighter. And I do find myself using my big iPad more now that it's lighter and just nicer to carry it's around. Good. So I'll do a follow-up. It's good so, for yeah. pure writing purposes. Little side note, I actually, so when I first got hired at Apple Insider, this is December uh, 2019 that I started working, um, I was iPad only and I stayed iPad only for about um, two, two and a half years. Yeah. But if you guys are doing the math, advanced trackpad system and magic keyboard did not exist at the time it came that came out in march of 2020 uh during a special apple event where we got a very fancy craig federighi video right right so if you yeah if you're going back i was using the accessibility trackpad feature with an external mouse and programmed shortcuts to different key bindings on the mouse and my keyboard was a external magic keyboard at the desk but if i ever moved away from the desk which was often i would work in different parts of the home because I, I i hadn't fully built out like an office yet um i used the magic keyboard folio yeah and that thing that was great uh, you know i would have to use touch on the display or an external mouse and a keyboard but yeah that thing was that, that was all reliable for sure and i operated for about four months with just that keyboard. And once Apple announced that magic keyboard and, and new trackpad system, I immediately jumped ship and haven't turned back. But <laughs> at the at the time, it was functional and it did the job. And uh, if you're looking for just like I need something to type with, um, it's it's fine. Like I, I don't I wouldn't go back to it myself. I have plenty of other systems to use my iPad with outside of that. But uh, right. But yeah, like I agree. Like the magic keyboard is. Uh, feeling its age a little bit it's heavy it's large i wonder if apple could revisit that entire mechanism i mean maybe we don't need the floating ipad display anymore maybe we could do something a little different that yeah makes it a little lighter a little more travel friendly all right well i talked a lot about my ipad or iphone repair and such but oh real quick kind of a lightning round ish but the news is that microsoft has now dumped its assistant cortana which was built into like windows and stuff it is going away. It has been going away for a while. Like uh, they 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 abandoned the app in like 2021. Um, but it has been it's still been present on Windows since, and now they've officially removed it from Windows. Right, and so it makes sense too because Microsoft is partnered with OpenAI, and so anything smart assistant wise is going to be powered by AI chatbots and stuff. But also Bixby, Samsung's proprietary smart assistant. That's kind of fading away in if you're if you're on the Samsung side of things, people have been asking what's going on with Bixby since about 2020. They've fully just given up on it. Right. There, I, I vaguely remember a story where they were actually working with Google to make Google Assistant more prominent on Google device on Android devices uh, sold by Samsung. And yeah, uh, so people who saw this article title, which is Microsoft dumps Cortana, leaving Siri as one of the last smart assistants. People are asking, what about Bixby? What about this and that? Read the article. I, I, I lay it out pretty clearly. Mm -hmm. Bixby's been dead, like yeah. dead in the water for years. Cortana has now been abandoned by Microsoft, which is the primary story, but there's a couple more things going on here. 
Google Assistant, right? So if we're listing them off, Google Assistant is the other major player. And then Alexa. And people are saying, but those still exist. They're still running. Right. Well, Google's moving on to BART. And um, there's actually a right. lot of internal communications been going on. We don't write about it because it's not Apple. But I've been keeping track of it. Google has actually been moving on. Uh, they've they've pulled a lot of their engineers out of Google Assistant and put them into BART. Uh, they're fully repurposing a lot of that technology and future Android devices are might still have a toggle to say, turn on Google Assistant in the settings, but everything's going to BART in the future. So they've made it very clear yeah. internally that Google Assistant just isn't it. And what I'm talking about is virtual assistants, which is started with Siri back in like 2011 with the iPhone 4S. Um, that era of virtual assistant is gone. Everyone's prioritizing AI. And that's why I'm saying Siri's last man standing. But what about Alexa? Well, same deal. You remember those 100,000 Amazon layoffs? Well, mm. a lot of that was the Alexa division. Alexa's bleeding money. They are not. They may have just come out with new devices, but those were already in the pipeline. Sunk cost fallacy. They were going to release them no matter what. But Alexa is obviously just not doing it for Amazon anymore. It was invented as a way to sell more products on Amazon, and it just isn't doing right. that. Um, so they're rethinking. They're they're pulling back their divisions. They're removing people from engineering there. Alexa's just kind of existing. But we just had a WWDC where a bunch of new Siri-focused features exist, and Siri is tied into a lot of the intelligence inside of iOS. So I just wanted to clarify that Siri as a virtual assistant, as an intelligent assistant on the device, I think it's Apple's future. And as they mm -hmm. implement more uh, GPT style, large language model style stuff into iOS, Siri will become more intelligent. I don't think it'll ever become a chatbot, but I believe that that is Apple's future. And so we can safely say that Siri's the last man standing from that battle that started in 2011. Everyone else kicked their assistants out and have started replacing them with brand the brand new and shiny, whereas Apple is still leaning on the Siri name and ecosystem. So right. just interesting to observe. Which I'll throw this article also, but Tim Cook had confirmed that Apple's been working on generative AI for years, which of course makes sense. And but when those features do come, I mean it will be built into Siri. They're not gonna they're not gonna launch like another chatbot or another named feature. I think it's just going to be built into. Yeah, the stuff you don't just uh, like like I said before. You don't just abandon names, uh, product names. Siri is a household name. People still to this day call every tablet they see an iPad. Uh, I've I've heard a lot of people refer to Alexa as a Siri device, like just because again, like this name has been around <laughs> so long, it's all interchangeable. And now all of, and my devices are trying to listen to me. All right, and finally, there's some new playlist from Apple Music. Apple Music Discovery Station. Is it a playlist or a station? It's not a. It's not a playlist. Yes, it is a station. So, um, you were a. Uh, probably away from your computer at the very least when this was yes. going on. But I actually um, stumbled into this and was, I think, one of the first people to break it. Now, it's been popping up for the last year or so. Apple's been kind of privately testing it. And I think some people got pulled into one of those like public betas that they don't tell people are a public beta. It's just, hey, look, it's here. Go click on it. Right. I noticed that the artwork had changed for the personal radio station, which would usually be named something along the lines of Wesley Hilliard's 
uh, radio station, which is based on your algorithmic tastes uh, built in Apple Music. Um, that one will pull from your library, your likes, right? Stuff like that. Right. The Discovery Station is a new algorithmic station, but instead of pulling from songs that you've already liked or already added to your library, it's not just going adjacent, it's going left field. It's trying to find new things that you've possibly never heard before, never listened to on Apple Music, never liked, and playing it. Now, I've run into a couple of repeats or I've run into deep cuts in albums. Like, I'll have added the uh, title track from from an album but not added this song from this album so it's starting to do that a little bit with me i've been listening to it nonstop for like four days but it has been really good um so if you've found discovery on apple music to be difficult this is definitely apple's play at competing with spotify discovery and trying to find new music like go go give it a listen because yeah, yeah. it so far for me, it has been excellent. I was going to ask you about it, but obviously you haven't used it yet. So go, go check it out. <laughs> Very cool. All right. Well, that's a little bit longer of a show, everyone. But thanks for sticking around and tuning in. Let us know what you think. Wes and I are on all the things. Threads, X, Mastodon. All those links are in the show notes. And of course, you could support the show at patreon.com slash Apple Insider or directly in Apple Podcast. One quick word too about custom chapter artwork. I've gotten some tweets. I'd Take great care in actually adding custom artwork to every chapter. So as we talk about different topics throughout the show, you actually see the images of what we're talking about in your podcast player. And it works in pretty much every podcast player. The only way you might not see them, unfortunately, is actually if you support the show directly in Apple Podcasts, they strip out the chapters and chapter artwork, unfortunately. And so if that's you, if you support us directly on Apple Podcasts and you really want those chapter art like in your listening experience i do have a workaround for you dm me on any of the platforms and i'd love to help you out um but actually show me that you actually subscribe too i'm not just gonna, you know. yeah anyway uh so but anyway thank you for the many of you who support the show on the various platforms and for the five-star reviews and for tuning in and we'll catch you next time